You're listening, listening to, to, Bible. to Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Welcome back to Bible Plus Podcast. Today we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 4. We've invited David Fulton into the studio to break it down for us. So let's turn it over to David. Hello, and welcome back to Bible Plus. Today we're going to be discussing Matthew chapter 4. Now, the story in the first half of this chapter with the temptations of Jesus by Satan may be somewhat familiar to some of us, uh, especially if we grew up going to Sunday school, youth group. We, we may have heard this. I want us to strive to break through uh, a barrier of familiarity and to examine this chapter from a new light, so particularly from the principles it establishes in how Satan tempts us and how we should respond. Now, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says that we should not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. We, we should be aware of what he likes to do, the strategies he uses. And I believe the strategies of the devil's temptations are all exposed here in principle. Uh, so I'd like to look at these three temptations and the principles behind them in how they relate to us, how we are tempted by the devil today, and then look at the Lord's response and how it can be a model for our response. And at the end, uh, we will discuss briefly the calling of the apostles and the second call. May we all be a second call person. That's the, uh, that's, that's the overview. Okay, so the three, the three temptations, no time to read the verses. Please read the verses. Um, one, about our livelihood. So Jesus is very hungry. He has not eaten in 40 days. The devil, somewhat reasonably, it seems, says, do a miracle. Care about your living. Don't, don't you want to eat? Well, of course he does. Uh, but the temptation here is to prioritize our daily necessities, our needs above the kingdom. Now, for Jesus to perform a miracle to with to resist Satan as uh, the Son of God, he was just announced as the Son of God at the end of chapter three. For him to uh, to stand as the Son of God before Satan, he has to be the Son of Man, and which is how he answers. He has to be the Son of Man to defeat Satan on the cross. He defeated him as a man. So Satan is tempting him to leave his status as man and, and do a miracle to care uh, for himself. Uh, in the same way, in the same principle, Satan will tempt us to, to deprioritize God's things and to care more for our own living, uh, you know, our daily necessities, and to, to, uh, to put God below all of those things. Uh, and and the Lord answers this whole accusation even more explicitly in chapter 6 of Matthew. He says in 31, why do you say, why are you anxious? Why do you say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what will we be clothed? Everyone is worried about these things. And then in 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we see the principle here. 
the kingdom and God's righteousness, the kingdom of the heavens, has to be our priority. And everything else comes underneath it. Of course, we need to eat. But the first thing has to be the kingdom. So the Lord says, I, I depend on God. That's the first thing. And so the second thing, and this one is a little, a little tricky to see. Um, Satan says, throw yourself off the temple. If you do, the angels will catch you. Everyone will know that you're the Messiah because you were able to survive this impossible, uh, this impossible fall. So the temptation here is that Jesus would make a spectacle of himself, especially in a religious context. So I think it is very important and it's something we really need to be watchful for. Any of us who are, are sharing or ministering the word, like Connor said, we're recommending, we're recommending Christ. We're recommending the kingdom to everyone around us. We have to, our focus has to be on the one we are recommending. And we cannot let the focus be on us as the recommender. You know, Paul has this whole, this whole matter in 2 Corinthians again. He talks about that he is, they are preaching the glory within them, that they are just earthen vessels. They're just jars of clay, but there is a treasure within them. And the focus is the treasure. The focus is not on the jar of clay, on the earthen vessel. So we should always be a channel for glory. We should never glorify the channel. Uh, this is this is a big temptation for anyone who's involved in the ministry, but doesn't matter if you never speak publicly, never speak from a platform, whenever, whatever we're speaking about the Lord, and we should be always speaking about our Lord, we have to make sure the glory is going to him and not to us. Now, the third temptation, in a sense, it seems the most straightforward. Satan says, well, I have all the kingdoms of the earth to give to you. Just worship me. Now, uh, we would probably say no to that if Satan showed up and said, you just have to worship me. But he is very subtle. He is, he transfigures himself to an angel of light. It says later in, in one of Paul's epistles. Uh, and we don't realize that the success, the, the, the power, the achievement that we are, that we are seeking is cause causing worship to turn to Satan. It's subverting the worship of God and it's turning it to another source. So, and at this point, I just want to say a quick word to people who may be graduating this year, graduating even in the fall. You know, I, it can be such a temptation right now to, <laughs> yeah, there may be some events called recruitment that maybe placing you in front of employers who want to give you just what seems to be the world, the whole, the, all the kingdoms of the earth in a salary, that there, there's a, a PhD program that matched with you or med school. And it's, this is, this is it. We should, we, sh I am not saying do not be successful. The Bible's very clear. We should work hard at what we do and we should endeavor to do the best we can, but it should always always be below our worship for God and should never interfere. So the three, again, the three points are caring more about our well-being than, than the kingdom, caring, uh, glorifying ourselves, particularly in the matter of preaching, preaching the gospel, preaching the word um, versus just glorifying God. 
and uh, choosing success, choosing power and achievement uh, at the cost of our worship for God. So this, these are just principles that the specific form that the tempter may take when he comes to you will differ. But the Lord also gives us a great model of a response. Now, we know the Lord quotes scripture three times in response. By the way, he quotes uh, Deuteronomy 8 and the Deuteronomy 6 twice. Uh, twi the last two are Deuteronomy 6. So I believe the Lord was musing over Deuteronomy and what came up in him in response to the tempter was the, the verses, the words that he had been chewing on, musing on, considering before God as he's there fasting. Uh, likely he had these verses memorized. He, I don't think he had a, a scroll with him in, uh, in the wilderness. Maybe he did. Uh, but memorize the Bible. Read the Bible. Know the Bible. Consider the Bible. Muse on it. This is a great pattern here. So how does Satan, ha Satan tempts? The Lord responds with Scripture. And then he concludes. He concludes with, in, in verse 10, he says, Go away, Satan. This, if you get nothing else from this, get this. Learn to tell the devil to go away. Because in verse 11, then the devil left him. This is a wonderful principle that the, the, the epistle of James brings out again in chapter 4, verse 7. Resist the devil, withstand the devil, and he will flee from you. We should be clear. We are not beholden to listen to his temptations. We're not here to just have to get through it. We resist him. There is one in us. There is a person living in us who defeated him. He, the Lord Jesus says in John, maybe 14, the ruler of this world is coming and in me he has nothing. There's a person in you in whom Satan has nothing no possibility. So that person, the spirit in you is saying, no, we can agree with the spirit. Go away, Satan. And this may sound silly. It has helped me much in my Christian life to at, at times I've had to audibly say, go away, Satan, go away, Satan, and he will be gone. Go away. I don't care about what you have to say. Go away, Satan, and he will be gone. And one last point on this matter. It's good to have a buddy that you can practically tell Satan to go away with. Get with someone that you're close to, another brother or sister, and say, I'm struggling in this temptation. Help me send the devil away. Go away, Satan. This is, this is wonderful. Okay, very briefly. Um, the, the second half, the Lord calls the disciples. Uh, and he, call, he calls some of the apostles, and he's there at the seaside. What I didn't realize um, through my first few times through this chapter, this is actually the second time that the Lord has interacted with these men. The first time is in the second half of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And uh, at least Andrew and probably John, the apostle, and uh, his brother James were disciples of John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist is with them, and he sees Jesus, and he says, that's Jesus. This is the guy. This is the Messiah. And so they leave John the Baptist, and they go to be with Jesus. And they say, where are you staying? Uh, Andrew goes and finds Simon Peter, his brother. 
They introduce him to the Lord. They're with him. It's very general. The Lord doesn't command them to do anything. He just talks to them. He's with them. He's among them. It's, it's, it's wonderful in its simplicity and its normality. So this second time we see the Lord coming to the, these, these same men. And something has happened because they're no longer with the Lord. They're by the seaside. They're at their job. They're fishing. You know, John and James are with their, uh, with their father in the boat. And they're, they're doing work. And then now the Lord calls them again. And he has a commission for them. He says, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately leaving their nets, they followed him. So we, as people who have been saved, we've, we've been called. We, we're, we're with the Lord. We're, he's among us. We're, we're with him. It's wonderful. But the, the Lord is going to call all of us personally again. He's going to call us with a commission. And maybe the, before we get that second call, we can kind of live in a way that it, it suits us. You know, we, we have a job. We do this. We're with, you know, it's according to our preference. When we get the second call, that is what's going to that's going to be a, a sharp 90-degree turn in our life. So you consider what happens after the Lord calls Andrew and Peter and then James and John. They go with him. That's, that, that's the next few years of their life is they're just traveling around the promised land, preaching the gospel with Jesus. Doing, he's, he's doing miracles. He's speaking to them. and he, They're hearing all his words. And then he's, he's crucified. And then he's resurrected and they're with him again. And then he's ascended and they're going all the way through, uh, through Jerusalem and Judea and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This call governs their life. So I believe that the Lord is going to call all of us in a way that, that is going to change how we live. And we will not be able to go back the same way, just as the Magi in, in, in Matthew chapter two, were not able to go back the same way. They're, we're going to encounter the Lord in a way that governs us and directs us in the way that the rest of our life is led. So may we all be second call people. Praise the Lord. Thank you.